الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رجال لا تلهيهم تجارة ولا بيع عن ذكر الله وإقام الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة يخافون يوما تتقلب فيه القلوب والأبصار قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم رحم الله رجلا سمحا إذا باع وإذا اشترى وإذا اقتضى أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وصفت علماء الكرام رجلنا الدرس اللہ تعالیٰ کریٹڈ انسان از اشرف المخلوقات اشرف المخلوقات دا موسٹ آنرڈ آف دی کریشن آف اللہ تعالیٰ دی ہائیسٹ ورچو اینڈ سگنیفیکنس ہیز بین گیون ٹو انسان فرام آل دی کریشن آف اللہ تعالیٰ دین ان دس انسان دے آر دوز ہیومن بینگز دین ٹرولی ریسپونڈ ٹو دا invitation of Allah Ta'ala. Allahu yad'u ila daris salam. Allah Ta'ala also invites, invites his entire creation of insan towards the perpetual abode of Jannat. There are those who respond to this by accepting whatever the Anbiya Ali Musallatu Salaam presented to them and last and final Nabi of Allah Ta'ala Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam what he presented to the Ummah, there are those who respond, accept And unfortunately, there are those who reject. These two categories are worlds apart. Those with Iman and those without Iman are worlds apart. There is no middle path that there can be some kind of middle path. Everybody can meet on some middle path in terms of being, in terms of religion, in terms of belief. Yes, while living in dunya, we have been not just advised, emphasized upon to fulfill the rights of every single human being and to care for our neighbor, whoever he might be. To feed the hungry person, even if he is the most staunch atheist, whoever it might be. But in terms of belief, in terms of iman, then Iman is a very distinguishing factor and there's completely two distinct categories those with Iman and those without Iman. There are many things that people with Iman and without Iman all do. Certain things are exclusive to the people of Iman. We've come for Salah. Today is the day of Jumu'ah. It's obvious this is something a mu'min will do. person without Iman is not going to come for Salah. He doesn't have any belief in Allah Ta'ala where he's going to come for Salah. The month of Ramadan, a mu'min will fast, not a kafir. And like that, many other of the aspects of deen are exclusive to believers. But there are certain things in day-to-day life everybody does. A mu'min does, a person without iman does also. A mu'min eats, a disbeliever also eats. A mu'min sleeps and so does a disbeliever. And likewise, a mu'min also does business, he also earns a living, 
he also has a profession, he also does a job, and a disbeliever also does all these things. But is there no difference between how a mu'min does these things and a disbeliever? No, no, there's a vast difference. A mu'min, everything about his life becomes ibadat if it's done with the right intention and done in the right manner. And he also eats, and the disbeliever also eats, but there's a world of difference between the two. The mu'min's eating also takes him closer to Allah Ta'ala. His sleeping and manner of sleeping and the intention with which he sleeps, that too takes him closer to Allah Ta'ala. He also has a family, he also raises his children, he also does the day-to-day things that others do. But how he goes about it and the intentions behind it, this is a world apart from the way the disbeliever goes about it. And as a result, a mu'min gets closer to Allah Ta'ala with all these things. And obviously a very, very prominent aspect in his life, which is actually an obligation. Allah Ta'ala has obligated us, طَلَبُ كَسْبِ الْحَلَالِ فَرِيضَةٌ بَعْدَ الْفَرِيضَةٌ That earning a halal living is an obligation. But after the other obligations in sequence, the priority is a person's salah, his zakat, his fasting, his hajj, the other obligations of deen. But then after the fundamentals have been taken care of, and this too is an obligation. So a mu'min goes about even this obligation and this need of life in a very distinct manner. He doesn't go about it just like anybody else. And through his business, through his job, through his profession, through whatever he does to earn a halal living, that too brings him closer to Allah Ta'ala all the time. And how much closer? It's obvious all the other obligations would be fulfilled. Because this obligation is after the other obligations in sequence. But it is such a great factor in his life that in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi says, That the person, a tradesman who is honest and upright in his dealings, he is trustworthy, then he will be raised with the Anbiya, with the Siddiqeen, the martyrs on the day of Qiyamah. But now what brings him to this level? Is it just because he bought and sold something? Just because he had a business? Just because he had a job? He had a profession? No, it is how he went about it. Number one, he didn't cross the line of deen in his obligations. His salah didn't get compromised because of any other occupation. His other obligations of deen were fulfilled. But then this matter of his life also was conducted in a very special manner. And what is that special manner? He earned his living in a halal manner, not just doing it right, but doing it better than right. One is to do it well, to do it correctly. But then to do it correctly, not just in a past, in a level that a person passes. One is a student gets a 50% and he's happy he passed. But then there's somebody is disappointed he got 70% because he was waiting for a distinction. He wanted an A pass. So a mu'min, his aspiration is for an A pass in everything in terms of deen. So likewise, how he goes about earning his living, he wants an A pass in terms of the akhirat. And not just that this will become a means of an A pass in the akhirat, this is what brings that barakat, which is the thing to aspire, barakat. 
there is an abundance in wealth like there was never before. There's kasrat. But unfortunately the extent of discontentment is also like never before. But when there's barakat in something, that barakat will bring along contentment. And it will bring along happiness. It will bring along peace. Regardless of the extent it might be. Abundance or something lesser. But if there's barakat, there will be contentment. There will be happiness. There will be peace. It will become a source of goodness. It will become a source of becoming a, it'll become a means of things happening for the betterment of oneself and others. So now how does this barakat come in? This is the aspect to understand and this is what in the short time we have we will try to explore that what brings about this barakat and the barakat is what is to be aspired for. In one hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Nabi Salaam lays the foundation of this. When Nabi Salaam says regarding the buyer and seller now they are transacting doing something so now in this transaction Nabi Salaam says فَإِن صَدَقَا وَبَيَّنَا بُورِكَ لَهُمَا فِي بَيْعِهِمَا if they were truthful with one another, they were transparent and clear, nobody is hiding anything from the other, they will be blessed with barakat. And when kazaba wa katama, somebody is lying, somebody is hiding something, somebody is cutting corners somewhere, somebody is trying to hide something in the fine print as a form of deception. But if this is the case, فَأَسَا أَيَّرْبَحَا ribahan. Nabi Islam says perhaps they may earn a profit, a big profit. We might say in our terms they might make a killing. Or somebody, one of the parties might make a killing. But Wayam Haqa Barakat Bayihima, Nabi Islam says they will destroy the barakat of their transaction. And when the barakat is gone, then the more of something without the barakat will become a bigger problem. If the barakat is there, the abundance will bring more good also. The barakat is the main thing. The barakat is the soul and the essence in it. So how does this barakat come about? There are many, many details in it. But to understand it in the lives, in the light of the incidents of the lives of five people that have passed, how they understood what, what is the application of these lessons? That these lessons that Rasulullah gave, what is in the Quran Sharif itself? What they understood from it, how they applied it? That will give us a guideline of what is the manner of bringing these things in our lives. The very great faqih and jurist of his time, Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi he once bought a consignment of fabric, this was his, he used to deal in, as a merchant, he was busy in his work, but he used to have agents give it to them to do the job. So he bought this fabric and gave it to somebody, you sell it off, but look, listen, there's a fault in this fabric make sure you inform the customer of it. Very well. This person took it and then after some time it was all done, sold. So when he came back now to sort out all the issues, he asked him, did you inform the customers of the fault in it? Inna lillahi inna lillahi. I forgot completely. Mamsa was extremely upset. How could you forget something of this nature? This is such an important aspect. Where are we going to find the customers now? How are we going to know who bought it? Well, that has happened now. We cannot touch this. I will not touch one bit of it. And not alone, not the capital alone, his entire capital amount and the entire profit that came out of it. 
He said, all this I will not have anything to do with it. He gave the entire amount in sadaqah. Which amounted to, in that period in time, 30,000 dirhams. 30,000 pieces of silver. Which was, perhaps in our times, it might equate to many hundreds of thousands of rands. But he said, I cannot touch this. This is tainted with this very big mistake that happened. And as a result, the barakat is all gone out of it. If the barakat is gone, it's not going to bring any good. Now, this was the extent of this caution. A woman came once to him, and she wanted to buy a piece of cloth that he had, a silken cloth. He says that, look, I'm an old woman, and this is, I'm telling you now, is something as an, I'm putting you to trust as an amanat. How to buy this cloth? I'm an old person, please have some mercy on me. Give it to me at your cost. Now, silken cloth, very valuable. So he says to her, four dirhams. So she says, four dirhams, please, no, don't mock me, I'm an old person, now you're playing the fool with me. Where do you get a piece of silken cloth for four dirhams? So he says, well, you asked me to sell it to you at cost, and that's an amanat now, I've got to do what it is, what is necessary to fulfill that amanat. The background to this is, I bought two pieces of cloth together. Both the pieces of cloth came to whatever amount, for example, came to hundred dirhams, I ended up selling off one, as an example now, sold it for 96 dirhams. So now you told me sell it at cost. The only part of the cost that is left is four dirhams. So this cost now landed me four dirhams. So now you ask me to sell it to you at cost, this is the cost. I'm being just clear about it, this is the cost. Now this was the extent of that transfer, otherwise he could have said I bought two pieces of cloth, 100 dirhams, 58, this is my cost. But no, I sold that for 96, so the cost left now is 4 dirhams. Now that cloth was worth much, much more than it. But now she put him to trust. You sell it to me at your cost, he agreed. This was the extent of that transparency. When that was the case, this was the barakat. That, that wealth of his became so productive, that he brought about so much of good for himself and others, and he was able to do that amount of khidmat of deen, that so many centuries later people are following in the light of the fiqh and jurisprudence that he compiled in the light of the Quran and Sunnah and all those rewards is still going back to him. Now this is that application of that very hadith of Rasulullah that we mentioned at the beginning that the person who is honest, upright, transparent, Allah Ta'ala will bless with barakah in it. Let alone just being honest and upright, Rasulullah taught something beyond that. That even err uh, on the side of caution. You want barakat? Err uh, on the side of caution. On one occasion Rasulullah bought something. Now he had to pay for it. So the person who was now going to weigh that gold or silver to pay for it. All this was weighed and by weight it used to be discharged. So he told the person weigh the amount for him. For the seller. Weigh the amount to pay him now. But then he says to him, Zin wa arjih. You wait, but give him something more than his due. So if he's due, for example, you're selling something in measure now, in weight. So if due one kilo, you make it one kilo and five grams. Give him something more. Why? So that we are not even close to the boundary. The boundary, one kilo, we could just go one gram off by mistake. Can't take chances with that. We rather err on the side of caution. Now this is not just a, a lesson about how much to weigh, that weigh a few grams more, 
or measure a few centimeters more or give a person a few runs more no it's a mindset and a condition of the heart that is being created one is this very in this message and this lesson but it's a mindset and a heart condition that is being created that be very very careful and cautious about how you go about your transaction now a person who is so cautious he wants to err on the side of caution and he rather take a knock so to say but not cause any kind of loss to the next person when that is his mindset when that is the way that he wants to transact where is he going to deceive anybody where is he going to cut corners somewhere where is he going to hide something in the fine print hoping the person won't read it and then he'll catch him with it later where is he going to now package something in such a way that it appears to be something but in reality it is something else it appears to be a certain weight for example but in reality is not that so there won't be any kind of even remote level of deception or something that will cause somebody to fall in a confusion he'll be super cautious about everything he won't take chances he won't entertain any doubts in it imam ahmad bin hanbal rahimahullah the great imam and faqih and the, the imam of the hanbali madhab he had on one occasion he needed to buy some grain he didn't have the money he didn't have the cash so he came to the person selling the grain he said to him please i need to buy some grain on credit for his daily needs so the person said fine i'll sell it to you on credit but i need some security so he didn't have anything to pledge as security so he had a bucket so i'll pledge this bucket so very well he gave him the bucket and he took the grain and went and then when he had the money he came to pay the money and he take his bucket back so he paid the person the money he said now can you please return my bucket the person turns around and then after a while he comes back he comes back with two buckets looking very similar and he says look i don't know it got mixed up you take which one ever one belongs to you take it and carry on imam ahmad bin hanbal rahimahullah looks at it and he says i don't i can't make out for sure which one is mine both are looking very similar so you give me mine the one i gave you so he says no you just take the one that belongs to you he says no i can't make out which it is if you can't make out which it is and i can't make out for sure which it is then i have now forsaken this the money i paid you is yours the bucket i gave you also is yours but i cannot touch something that i'm not 100% sure about and he said this and he left So this person then turns around to somebody sitting there and he says I know which is his bucket I was testing him I know he is the jurist of the time I wanted to see what is his level of taqwa but he stood the test and he didn't touch something that he had a slight doubt in it he could have made out but maybe not 100% he might have been 95% but that 5% doubt the 3% doubt is I'm not touching it rather I gave the money I forego that security also I forego that bucket of mine but I'm not touching something that is not mine or that I'm doubtful about now this is the result of that mindset is the result of that condition of the heart because the heart is what everything comes from the heart is a mold whatever comes comes through the heart the actions of a person the center of it is his heart the heart is king the heart decides the heart has that some idea of something the heart has a a, a manner of doing something the thought comes in the heart 
that thought, the heart which is king now, it transmits it to the limbs of the body, then the hand will do something accordingly, the eyes will look accordingly, the tongue will speak accordingly, when that heart is the mold of taqwa, when that heart is filled with the love of Allah Ta'ala, that heart is conscious of Allah Ta'ala, then every action will come through this mold, and that, like that biscuit that comes out through a mold, it will come whatever shape is there. If that shape is a beautiful design, then that biscuit will come out like a beautiful design outside. But if it's just all jumbled up, then whatever comes to the jumbled up mold will come out jumbled also. Then if there's vulgarity in the heart, there'll be vulgarity on the tongue. The person will be swearing at his customers too, he'll be swearing at his suppliers as well, he'll be swearing at his staff also, he'll be swearing at everybody. Because there's something in the, that mold that is coming through. If there is deception in the heart, then there'll be deception in the transactions. Because now every place a person is looking, where can I make something extra? Underhand. So it's what's in the heart, how the heart has become molded. And these ahadiths that Rasulullah is teaching us is to how to mold this heart. As a result, Nabi Islam takes it beyond that. And the Sahaba had that mold. Their hearts got fashioned in this manner. Hazrat Anas radiallahu ta'ala now this is taking it one step beyond also. Hazrat Anas radiallahu ta'ala he says on one occasion I was seated with one other companion of mine in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa On that occasion Rasulullah gave one message. He taught us one lesson. He gave us one very deep and profound virtue. And Rasulullah said that لا يؤمن عبد حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسه That a person is not a believer. That's a literal translation. The Muhaddisin then did us the favor of explaining to us that it refers to a person's iman not being perfect and complete or close to completion. In fact, very, very deficient. Who? A person who doesn't love for his fellow Muslim what he loves for himself. In any case, he says, we heard this message, we heard this lesson, and then afterwards we left from there, we went to the marketplace because there was something we needed to buy, both of us needed to buy this item. So we came to the marketplace, somebody was there selling it. Anasabdinana says, I asked the person, how much you want to sell, how much are you selling this for? So he says, 30 dirhams. So he says, my friend, my companion, he picked it up, and then he asked the seller, that will you sell it for 40 dirhams? The person is surprised. He says, I already expressed my desire to sell it for 30 dirhams. You are saying 40 for what? So he then says to him, but will you sell it for 50 dirhams? So now in our terminology, we'll say this person, something is wrong with him. He is a few bob short, whatever it is. But he had something, he was not short of anything. He had an abundance of it. What we are short of. He, this person asked him again, but why are you increasing the price? He said, I've just come from the majlis of Rasulullah sallallahu And the lesson he imparted to us, that a person is not a complete believer until he loves for his fellow Muslim what he loves for himself. I know the value of this item to be 50. Perhaps you are unaware. One is the person knows the value. For whatever reason, he, he wants to discount it. He's fully aware of the value. Then it's a mutual thing. But it seems you are unaware. So I want to buy it for fair value. Because I want to love for you what I want to love for myself. If the tables were turned, then I would want full value for it. So now I want the full value for you also. Now this was that mindset, this was the heart. This was the condition of the heart, the mold that was created inside. One lesson they learned in the majlis of Rasulullah that fashioned the heart immediately. And now the immediate application in this manner. Now this is what really drew people to deen. That when the interaction was with people without Iman, 
the people of Iman interacted in such a way that it drew the people of who, without Iman into deen purely by how they dealt with them. Imam Abu Hanifa on one occasion one fire worshipper, one Majusi was owing him money. He happened to be passing this person's house. Now the house, like in many rural places and poor areas, the house and the road, the wall of the house and the road meet. So he was walking and it happened that he, without realizing it, tramped on some dirt. So as he stepped forward, he realized he tramped on something. So he tried to shake it off his shoe. So when he tried to shake it off, it flew off and it lodged onto the wall of this person. This fire worshipper Majusi was owing him money. Now he's standing there and wondering now how to solve this. He can't leave it and go because he created this problem. So he can't just leave his mess and move on. He has to sort it out. If he does ask me, just head on walking, not my business. Somebody else will sort it out. The other part of it is he goes to clean it. It's a mud wall. He's going to end up scraping some mud of this person. How can he do that? It might be a slight bit of mud that will get scraped out. Now he's in this bewilderment. He knocks on the person's door. Somebody opens the door. He says, I've come to see so-and-so. He knew the person. Tell him Abu Hanifa is here. The person goes in, the servant, whoever it was, he goes in and he says, Abu Hanifa is at the door. This fire worshipper gets a shock. He thought he came to ask for his money. So he comes running to the door, already making excuses. Please, I, you know, I know I'm delayed and whatever. I didn't come to ask for that. I haven't come for that purpose. I've come for something far more serious. What is more serious than that? So I've shaken this off my shoe, it fell onto your wall. Now I need to clean it up. I was responsible for this. And if I go to clean it up, I'm going to end up scraping some of your, your mud of the wall. I can't do that. That will be, a, I'm wronging you in that. So now how do I clean this now? You can help me with this. That fire worshipper, that Majusi stood there and he said, Abda'u bitathiri nafsi. That first clean my heart out of this kufr and bring me in this iman that you have. Before we clean the wall, clean my heart out. I want to come into this iman that you have. What has brought, this is that mold, that mold of iman that made the person stop there, made him stop and think that I can't leave this mess and walk because iman dictates that don't, don't cause any harm to anybody. Then I can't scrape this person's wall and just carry on like nothing happened because it's his property. That's a mold of iman that was dictating. And that mold of iman, that character, that character is what drew the heart of this Majusi. And made him also say, first clean my heart out, then we'll clean the wall. This is that manner in which people of the past dealt and how they conducted themselves and how this became the means of people getting attracted to iman. It was the business of people that attracted people to iman, attracted them to this beautiful deen. It was not that they became a barrier for people to enter the iman. So this is that message and lesson, just to finish off on one hadith of Rasulullah the time has already run out, there's quite a few things in between. But this whole mindset we are talking about, this mindset Rasulullah sums up in one hadith, where Nabi says that, Man salabat dunya halalan, the person who earns dunya halalan, in a halal manner, not he's earning haram. A mu'min, a mu'min doesn't touch haram. He'll never touch haram. Unfortunately, there are many things which maybe are not deliberately done, but it is in the category of haram that is happening. 
How often this happens, and perhaps this was mentioned on a previous occasion here also. Every now and again, this is a kind of thing that comes up. Somebody says, no, I, somebody invested with me, but now how do we go about it? I need to sort him out. How he invested with you? He says, no, he gave me, for example, 100,000 rand, and I'll give him 10% profit. 10% profit of what? Of 100,000 rand. So is that called profit or interest? 10% profit would be of the, what the business yields. What is your ownership when you put in 100,000 rand? How many percent did you become a partner in that business or in that venture? So no, I didn't become a partner at all. So you can call it by profit to any extent, make a whole tasbih of saying this is profit, it will be nothing but haram interest. It will be nothing but that which will draw down the lanat of Allah Ta'ala. Now this is unfortunate, these are things common. These are transactions of this nature that happen commonly. Either due to ignorance or due to complete lack of any caution or whatever the reason might be. But we need to be very cautious about how we're doing our transactions, check and double check that what we are doing is halal. Otherwise that haram is going to have its effect. It will have its effect on ourselves, on our children, on their conduct, on numerous things. So in any case, Nabi Islam says, Man talab dunya halalan. The person who earns dunya in a halal manner. But why? What is his mindset? What is the motivating factor behind it? The purpose is he doesn't look, stretch his hand in front of anybody. He wants to earn a halal living to take care of his needs. And to feed his family, take care of them, because this too is a responsibility Allah Ta'ala has placed on him. So he wants to fulfill this. And doesn't stop there. And to be kind and uh, compassionate to his neighbor, meaning to share with others as well. To share with those who don't have it. To share with those who are in the dire state. So this is this person's mindset. He's fulfilling his obligations of deen. And this is how he goes about earning his living. Nabi Islam says, Laqi Allah Ta'ala Laylatul Qamar Allah Ta'ala will meet He'll meet Allah Ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah Wajhuhu kal Qamari Laylatul Badr His face will be shining like the 14th moon. This is the endorsement this person is going to Jannah. And Uman Talabat Dunya Halalan on the other side, the person who earns halal dunya. Mu'min, haram is out of the question. He's earning halal dunya. But his mindset is wrong. His heart is not, that mold is not there. Why he's earning the dunya? Muraiyan, mukafiran. In order to show off. In order to just amass. Laqi Allah huwa alayhi ghadban. He will meet Allah on the day of qiyamah. Allah will be displeased with him. So a mu'min, he earns, he earns correctly with the right mindset. But this highlights also how he spends. He doesn't spend to show off. He doesn't spend to just be living up with the Joneses. He lives in a way that will earn the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. He will spend on himself, spend on his family. He will enjoy the ni'mat Allah Ta'ala has blessed him with. But within the limits of Sharia and deen, in this, is, this is the manner he conducts himself. This is the manner how he earns his living. And this is the manner even through his business, through his job, through his profession. Through whatever he's doing to earn his living, he gets closer to Allah Ta'ala. This is what makes a mu'min a world, makes him worlds apart from a person without iman. And this very trade of his, his manner of earning, brings others into iman as well. Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah.